before I start, I just want to pray for um, Judith Laycott's mum. Uh, we had a text about an hour or so ago saying that her health's deteriorating. and So we just want to uphold them in prayer, don't we, and uh, commit them to the Lord. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you that we can come before you and petition you on behalf of others. And uh, we pray for, for Judith and Jack and Judith's mum and the rest of the family at this time, Lord, as things are difficult for them. We pray that you will be the God in that situation, that, Lord, you will be there, you'll presence yourself. May Jack and Judith particularly know your peace. And, uh, and Judith's mum, Lord, uh, we don't fully know the situation, but, Lord, we just commit that to you. And pray, Lord, that uh, you would just um, be in that situation. And, um, yeah, your will be done, Lord. But, but pray particularly, Lord, that your presence will be felt and that uh, they'll feel the support and uh, your loving arms around them. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read to you Psalm 88. I'm going to read all 18 verses. Reading from the New King James Version. Psalm 88. Just testing Helen. No, actually, I'm going to read. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Psalm 88 says this O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. You have put away my acquaintances far from me, you have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up and I cannot get out. My eye wastes away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Will you work your wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark, and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They came around me all, all day long like water. They engulfed me altogether. Loved one and friend you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. What a jolly psalm. Yes, fantastic psalm. You know, reading through that psalm, um, there is a question to be asked, which many people throughout time would have asked, and particularly those who believe in God. And the question is this, where is God when life hurts? Uh, 
Where is God when life hurts? Psalm 88 is very different to any other psalm. It stands out alone, really. There are many psalms of what we might call laments. You know, where people are are sort of mourning and groaning and crying out to God. But usually, within the psalm, there's a glimmer of hope in those psalms. So you find that, you know, sort of David will, will sort of, for example, in some of his psalms, he'll say, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Lord, why can't I hear from you? Why are you not answering me? But yet, Lord, I will worship you. I will praise you. Yet, Lord, you will, you will destroy my enemies. And there's always something of that that comes through the psalms of lament. But in this psalm, there's nothing. It starts in a bad place. It continues in a bad place. And it ends in an even worse place. And you think, oh my goodness, what on earth is this person going through? You know, this psalm maintains its despair and its despondency throughout. And we're told that this psalm is the contemplation of someone called Heman the Ezraite, or Hezraite even. Heman the Ezraite. Now, there are two Hemans mentioned in Scripture. There's one in 1 Kings 4, verse 31 where we're told that Heman is a gifted and wise man. And in 1 Chronicles 15, it says Heman is one of the musically gifted Levites who would have served under King David. And many people think that's the one that's writing this psalm, this musically gifted Levite. Imagine he's like, you know, one of the worship group. And yet here he is, brought low and despondent. One who sings praises to God. One who leads the worship to God. And yet he finds himself adrift of God. Despairing of his life. You see, despondency and and despair and depression is no respecter of people, is it? It can happen to absolutely anybody. Any one of us. Whatever our station in life. So what's going on in this young man's life? And we know he's a young man. He says he's been prepared to die from his youth. What's going on in this young man's life that makes him feel so terrible? Well, the New King James Version actually in the, in the study Bible gives us a bit of a handy outline for this psalm. So, so I've stolen all their points to go through them. So it says the first point in verses 1 and 2 is that there's an opening prayer for deliverance. There's a prayer for deliverance. Maybe if you've been in the pit and in despair, you too have prayed for deliverance. In in verses 3 to 5, we have Heman's impending death. In verses 6 to 8, we have a complaint about the Lord's attack on Heman. Verses 9 to 12, God's delay in coming to the, the aid of Heman. And verses 13 to 18, Heman's desperation as he senses there's going to be no deliverance from the Lord we have here a psalmist who is without doubt depressed despondent and desperate has that ever been you have you ever been so down so depressed so despondent so desperate no of course you've not because you're all Christians that doesn't happen to Christians does it we don't get down we don't get depressed we don't get despondent Of course we do. Of course we do. It doesn't bypass believers. But often, you know, maybe believers can hide that from people. 
especially, you know, maybe, I don't know, leaders, people with some seen as somebody who, you know, should be, should be all with it, all together. You know, you, you don't never get depressed, you never get down, you hide that from people. And if you do sort of share it with people, you find really helpful advice like, well, why don't you just snap out of it? Maybe, maybe you need to increase your faith in, in the Lord Jesus. Maybe that's the problem. You know, actually, believers shouldn't be depressed. I've heard this. I'm sure you've heard it too. You know, I love that God has put episodes like this in the Bible. You know, some people will look at the Bible. You know, I've heard Muslims say this about the Bible, that, you know, the Bible has things in there that if it was truly God's word, they shouldn't be in there. But actually, for me, it authenticates the word of God. Because it's real life, isn't it? And I'm glad that there's people in there who are depressed. I'm glad there's people in there who make mistakes. I'm, you know, I'm glad of all this because that's us. You know, we can be down. We can be, feel far from God. And I'm glad it's there because we wouldn't know how to make sense of things when life hurts if we couldn't read the word of God and find ourselves in there somewhere. In verses 1 and 2, we call it an opening prayer for deliverance. Heman says this, O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. Notice how he begins. He's still declaring the Lord to be the God of his salvation. He's still finding, even in his despair, his despondency, even though he's saying, Lord, where are you? I can't hear from you. You're not listening to me. He's still declaring that the Lord is the God of his salvation. We praise God for that. Because sometimes that's all we've got to hang on to, isn't it? You know, we just got to cling to God, sometimes by our fingernails, because there's nothing else there. Everything else seems far off. We're struggling to read the Bible. We're struggling to pray. People don't understand us. We seem cut off from God. And yet, he's, it's like he's hanging on by his fingernails and saying, Lord God, you are still my salvation. In his despair, he doesn't deny God, but rather through the psalm, he questions God. He questions God. He petitions God. Is it right for us to question God? Is that okay? I think it is. I think it is. I think it's all right. You know, when you have a relationship with someone, you can be open and honest with them, can't you? We have a relationship with the Father through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And however we're feeling, he can hear it. He can take it from us. And sometimes we just need to cry out to him. And this is what it says, Heman did. He says he cried out day and night. And the Hebrew word there for, for cried is, is literally shouting and screaming. Shouting and screaming, that doesn't seem right, does it, that we can shout and scream at God? I went to listen to it. I want to tell you a little bit more about this maybe um, in a few moments. But I went to listen this week to um, an American preacher called Bill Wilson, founder of Metro Ministries. And uh, he just kept, he, he just tried to be funny all the time. And he'd tell you things that he did that made you feel really uncomfortable. But then he said, but you guys don't get that, dear, because you're British. You, you don't get it because you're British. You, know, you won't understand that. And I thought, cheeky beggar. But I think he's right at times. Because, you know, we British have to have a stiff upper lip, don't we? And we can't possibly shout and scream at God. 
You know, we, we can't lay out all before him. And even as Heman seems to do here, and others do in the Psalms sometimes, almost accuse God of something. You know, we have a God that can take all this. We do. We have a God that understands. Yeah, he, he, he can understand all this. He can take all this from us. Heman is screaming and shouting at God. Day and night, he's saying, Lord, listen. Why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you sorting out my problems? Why aren't you dealing with the difficulties in my life? You know, we know, don't we, because we have more of a picture than Heman had. But we know someone else that felt abandoned by God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the Son of God saying to the Father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus can say that, we can say that too. Father, why have you forsaken me? Why are you not listening to me? Why do you feel distant from me? Though feeling forsaken, Heman continues to pray. In verse 2 he says, let my prayer come before you. Have you ever found it really hard to pray? I definitely sometimes found it really hard to pray. You just feel empty, you feel like you can't pray. You don't know what to say. When you do try, it just comes out as a jumble anyway. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about that, doesn't he, in the book of Romans. He says sometimes the Spirit groans on our behalf. He cries out the Spirit of God, almost prays for us when we can't do that. We need to pray and keep praying to him and keep trusting him through difficult times. When life is hurting us, we continue when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe he felt then as well, why aren't you listening to me? You know, Jesus often went and spent time with his father and prayed. He communed with his father. He received from his father. He went and did ministry, having been um, with his father. And yet this moment in time, on that cross, he feels forsaken. And he might also feel that, Father, why are you not listening to me? Why have you forsaken me? Why do you feel distant from me? Why does God allow us to go through tragedy, difficult time? Why does it seem at times that God isn't listening? Maybe it's not that he's not listening. It's maybe that he's just not answering. Maybe he's hearing, but he's not relieving. He's not dealing with the issue. Why is that? You know, there are things that are mysteries for us, aren't there? We can't always understand the ways of God. His ways are higher than our ways. We can't understand. But I often choose when it's my life, and I'm a little bit unsure about things, that God knows what he's doing. I choose to believe that. I choose to believe that he has a greater purpose in this. Even though I can't explain it, it doesn't even make sense. But trusting in God says I've got to believe that he has a purpose even in suffering even in difficulties, things that we may never know or understand this side of eternity, but one day we will. One day all things will be revealed to us. In verses 3 to 5, Heman says, I am counted with those who go down to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the grave. What is he what is he saying there? Does he, does he literally believe he's dying? Does he, does he feel he's at the point of death? Or is he just feeling dead inside? 
You know, sometimes you do, don't you? You feel like you just like you use the expression "the Walking Dead." You know, like you say, "There's nothing there. You've nothing to give. There's nothing happening." Your emotions are all messed up. You, you don't know where to go with anything or what to do or, or what to say. He says, I'm counted with those who go down to the grave. Is he literally dying or is he just feeling dead inside? When he uses the word grave, the Hebrew word there is sheol, which we often equate to hell. It's almost like he's saying, you know, I feel like I'm going through hell. It's so bad. I feel like this is hell for me. And Lord, you're not listening. Lord, you're not understanding. Lord, you're not dealing with it. I wonder if you've ever felt like that as a believer. Lord, why are you not answering me? It feels like I'm dead or I'm going to die. Lord, you need to answer me. In his book, In the Eye of the Storm, Max Lucado said this, tells a little illustration. He said, Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. One second he was peacefully perched in his cage. The next he was sucked in, washed up and blown over. The problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it into the cage. The phone rang and she turned to pick it up. She'd barely said hello when Chippy got sucked in. The bird owner gasped put down the phone, turned off the vacuum and opened the bag. There was Chippy, still alive but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet and helped Chippy under the running water. Then, realising that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with hot air. Poor Chippy, never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the reporter who'd initially written about the event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. It's hard not to see, see why. Sucked in, washed up and blown over. That's enough to steal the song from the stoutest heart. You know, some people have very, very difficult situations in life. It seems unfair that they have so much trouble. It's like they're being sucked in, washed up and blown over. It's like one thing after another thing. You know, you can take one blow, but then there's a second blow that comes and a third blow, and suddenly you feel like, God, where are you? When life hits you hard, and you feel like you're going through hell. When you feel like God is not listening and your life is over. And you feel lost with nowhere to go. This is Heman in Psalm 88. You know, it's said that 9.7 people in 100 people, this is from Mind UK, suffer from mixed anxiety and depression. 9.7 in every 100. I don't know, the more people I talk to, that seems quite low. Really, I think maybe it's more than that. But people do suffer from depression, from despondency, from despair. You know, when Jesus looked out upon the crowd when he was overseeing Jerusalem, he said he felt compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. You know, we have so many people around us in despair. 
difficulties, struggling to cope with everyday, ordinary life. And what did Jesus say? He said, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. We find our rest in Christ. We find our hope in Jesus. He's the answer. In verses 6 to 8, we have a complaint about the Lord's attack on Heman. Notice in the verses how Heman blames God for his predicament. So look what he says in verses 6 to 8. Let's pull them back up here. It says, You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your ways. You have put me away from my acquaintances, far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up, and I cannot get out. Who's he blaming for his predicament? Yeah, he's blaming God. He's saying, God, this is your doing. I wonder what we think about that. I wonder what we think about that. Do we believe God causes people to suffer? Do we believe that you know, God brings problems in people's lives? We haven't got time to go into all this deep questioning tonight. You can talk to Phil about this afterwards. He'll give you the answer. But God is sovereign. And I personally believe that God can do whatever he likes. And I think sometimes he does do things to get people's attention. Sometimes he does do things to steer us on the, on the right path. I think he can do whatever he wants to do. But Heman certainly believes here that he's in this predicament because of God. I wonder whether you've said, God, what have I done to deserve this? What have I done to deserve this? Why me? Maybe question if you're suffering because of something you've done. You know, that, that sort, of, sort of residual thought is there with us, isn't it? That when things go wrong, it's like, I must have upset God somewhere. I must have displeased him. I must have been a big sinner in some way. There are lots of reasons why things go wrong in our life. Things will go wrong in our life. We're living in a fallen world. We will get sick. There will be problems. There will be disasters. And like I've already suggested, at times the only thing we can cling on to is God. It's the only, the only one we can cling on to. He said in verse 8, Heman said, You have put away my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up and I cannot get out. Punishment for sin, perhaps? Some commentators reckon that he may have leprosy. And that's why he's an abomination to them. That's why his acquaintances are far from him. Why he's shut up and he can't get out. There are three occasions mentioned in the Old Testament where God brings about leprosy on people. In 2 Chronicles 26, it talks about King Uzziah for sinning against the Lord's sanctuary. His punishment is leprosy. We have in 2 Kings 5, Elisha's servant Gehazi for sinning against God's salvation. In Numbers 12, 1 to 15, Moses' sister Miriam for sinning against God's servant. Maybe, just maybe, Heman has sinned against the Lord and there's a punishment for him. Maybe it is leprosy as some think. Whatever it is, he's separated from people. At the end, in verse 18, he says, Love one and friend you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. 
Heman and all he's going through has maybe led him to bitterness. And bitterness is a killer. If you remain bitter about a situation, about a person, it will kill you. It's led him to loneliness. Loneliness is a killer. There's so many lonely people in our world today. You know, I'd imagine if we sort of did a survey just around our own community here, so many lonely people shut in, no one hardly seen them during the week or anything happening much in their life. He believes that he has no future and to be without hope is devastating. He believes that he has no friends and loneliness is a killer. I read this somewhere recently. It said, in Japan... Lifestyles have become so hectic that a strange company has been formed. It is now possible to rent a family for events like birthdays and Christmas. We could start a business here in Bradford doing that, couldn't we? Rent a friend. Rent a, you know, rent a, a group of people, a family. Isn't that sad? Isn't that so sad? You know, thank God that the Christian is never alone. Never alone. The Bible tells us, Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. We're never alone as a believer. That doesn't mean to say we can do without the company of other people. We all need company of other people. But we're never alone. Jesus said as he was leaving his disciples, I am with you to the very end of the age. We're not alone. We're not alone in our despair and our despondency. In verses 9 to 12, there's God's delay in coming to the aid of Heman. In verse 9, Heman continues to call upon the Lord. Lord, he knows that only he can help him. It seems he has no family, no friends, no answers, no deliverance, and he feels even no God. Where are you, God? Where is God when it hurts? I want to tell you, he's right there with you when it hurts when things are difficult, when you're despairing, when there seems no answer, God is right there with us. As, as Adi's mentioned tonight again about looking to the future when all things will be made right and we're going to be perfect. Just can't, I'm like Adi, I can't wait for that time. Again, not a death wish, <laughs> Lord. <laughs> but you just can't wait for that time. You know when you become a believer, don't you, that... You know, you're, you're not meant for this life anymore. There's something else awaiting us. And it's just so exciting to know that God's got us in his hand. And whatever befalls us in this life, whatever trouble, whatever problem, whatever despondency, whatever despair, God has got us secure in his hand. In verses 10 to 12, there's a, an idea behind what Heman's saying here. He's basically talking about the worshipping community in Jerusalem. He's saying, if I die, Lord, then I won't better worship you anymore. The physically dead can't worship the Lord. But maybe neither can the emotionally dead. I wonder again whether you've ever been in a situation where you just can't worship. You can't pray. You can't sing a song. You can't talk to someone about God. You just... Everything's just become too much. And you feel like he's saying you're in the grave, you're in a pit, and you can't get out. He wants to be able to worship God. But he's so 
desperate he can't do it. And in the, the final verses, 13 to 18, Heman's desperation as he senses no deliverance from the Lord. He says in verse 15 that he's been afflicted from his youth. We don't know how old he is, but can you imagine to be afflicted with something from your youth? And you just feel, God is not hearing me. How long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? He feels there's no one to support him, no one understands. And yet he continues to cry out to God. And praise God for that, for sometimes that's all we can do. Heman knew the true source of his help and strength. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. He is. Whether we feel it or not, it's not about how we feel, friends, it's not. We want to feel him. We want to know his presence. We want to know his closeness. We want to have fellowship with him. But we believe his word. He is with us in our difficulties, in our problems. So what about us when we feel like that? Maybe some of you now, maybe not, hopefully not as bad as Heman. But maybe, you know, again, you're just struggling with something in your life. Then I think one of the things that Heman teaches us in this psalm is that we're to maintain our connection with God. When these sort of things happen to us, we tend to drift away from God. We go away from God. I was speaking to somebody this afternoon in the Chinese church because I, I led a service for them this afternoon. And they were saying, you know, they're telling about a time when they, so many things were happening, they just ran away from God. I couldn't have anything to do with God. You know, what seems to happen, it seems to me, is that when despair comes upon a person, when things are going wrong in a person's life, it either drives you to God or away from God. At least for Heman, he's still praying. He's still crying out. He's still shouting at God. He knows God's there, but he's not getting his answer. God is silent in this psalm. He does not respond to the broken-hearted cry of this man. God does not even give this man a hint that he's listening that does not indicate that he didn't care for this man. It simply means that God chose not to answer. We're told that the psalmist does begin to question God's silence in verse 14. But who can blame him? If you're going through despair, it's hard to carry on when it seems that no one's listening, that God's not listening, that the heavens are close to you. Still, he never gives up. And neither should we. I told you I... Uh, went to listen to Bill Wilson in this past week and uh, he just told a little story. You know, Bill Wilson is the founder of the largest Sunday school in the world and he goes into the, some, some of the toughest places to, to reach people. Some of the images he showed you, you had to turn your, your head away, some of the stories he shared. But he was talking about a God who cares for the brokenhearted. And he told his little story, he said it was near Christmas time, he was driving the bus in New York, he, every Christmas he's there driving the bus, picking up these kids that are coming, you know, out of the slums of, of these areas of New York, uh, from, you know, drug addicted families and all sorts of crime going off, and these kids come running out onto his bus, and it was around Christmas time, and he picked up these kids and he set off driving, and this little girl came running up to him and said, Pastor Bill, Pastor Bill, I brought you a present, a Christmas present. And he said, oh, thank you. You know, when we get to the church, we'll look at it. She says, no, you've got to look at it now. You've got to look at it now. And he says she was really insistent. He says, so I had to sort of pull over 
He says, but in New York, the, you know, they're just papping on behind and everything and that lot. He said, but, you know, I thought she's insistent, I need to open it. He said it was just this ball, but it was wrapped with all kinds of different tapes, you know, and you couldn't find out where it started to get it off and everything. He said, eventually I managed to get into it, and inside was a broken plastic manger scene. And he saw, saw it and he thought, she's just found this somewhere, bless her, and wrapped it up for me. So he said, oh, thank you so much, you know, gave her a little hug. And she said, but, but Pastor Bill, you, you haven't seen the best thing about it. And he said, well, what is it? Come on, we've got to go. She said, well, wait a minute. She said, just put it together. So piece the two pieces together. She said, and then put it in your hand, cup it like that. And she says, look, Jesus glows in the dark. And he said, you know, when she said that, I didn't get it at first. The profundity of that. But Jesus glows in the dark. You know, Jesus understands us when we're going through dark times. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, for we, for we have not an, a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let's hang on by our fingernails if that's all we can do. But we have a God who understands and a God who hears. Let me pray and then Adi will just come in. Here's our final song. Father God, we want to thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we don't understand your ways. We don't know why things happen in life, why tragedy strikes sometimes, why people sort of feel, seem like, it seems like some people seem to have more than many people of tragic circumstances in their life and we, we don't fully understand and maybe Lord when we're going through despair and darkness and despondency and we're feeling down and depressed it seems like you're not there but thank you Lord your, your word tells us you are that you'll never leave us nor forsake us and I pray for all my brothers and sisters here tonight that if any of the things that we've been reading about Heman tonight is relevant to them that they too will feel your closeness and your, your peace and your presence in their life that, Lord, they will know that you know what they're going through. And, Lord, I pray, as Heman prayed on many occasions, that, Lord, you would bring relief. You would bring light into that dark place. And that, Lord, people will just have their life restored and their fellowship with you restored. And they'll just put their faith and keep trusting you. Thank you, Lord. You've got us covered. Thank you. We're in your hands. And that, Lord, our future is secure because of Jesus. And we just pray in his precious name. Amen.